refuge. Everyone say, my refuge. Everyone look at your neighbor and say, who's your refuge? Look at your neighbor. Who's your refuge? Do you remember what psalm I preached out of last week? Anyone? It's not 23. It's a safe guess. <laughs> 46 1 is where it starts, so he's kind of partially true. So we'll start with that one. Psalm 46 1, it says, let's read it together. One, two, three. God is our refuge and strength and ever present help in trouble. This is where the name of our ministry comes from. If you didn't know, now you know. If somebody says, refuge, well, why do they call it that? Psalm 46.1. There it is. So, last week was all about God being, listen up, there's a lot of chatter going on. Hey, hey, hey. You guys were so well behaved last week. You really, really were. Like, it was amazing. I want it to not be a one-time thing, okay? Let's keep a good record. You can't have a good record till it's happened more than once. What's that? Maybe. Maybe I'll bring it out again. No, it didn't break. So, all right, hey. Last week was my refuge, my goodness. Which is a funny kind of play on words, right? But it was, the idea is that God is our goodness. It came from Psalm 16, and in there it says that apart from you, I have what? No good thing. A way of saying that is apart from you is no good, God. If I'm apart from you, it's no good. It's no good for me. There's no good found apart from you. And so that's where the idea came from. And so this week, I'm going to be preaching on arguably the most well-known chapter in the Bible. Definitely the most well-known psalm in the Bible. Any idea which psalm it is? Brandon. <laughs> Luke, what you got? Psalm 91? No. I didn't say if it's the best one or not. I said arguably the most well-known psalm in the entire Bible. Anna. Psalm 23, yes. There's a reason why I said Brandon, because he wasn't even here last week. He's like, what psalm? Uh, 23? It's a safe guess if I preached on a psalm, right? <laughs> now, I'm going to read this, but here, let me just paint a picture for you with this psalm, okay? This psalm never says the word refuge in it. And as I mentioned last week, the word refuge shows up in the Bible over 90 times in Scripture a lot. And almost half of the times that it shows up is in Psalms alone. But I would say pretty much every single Psalm gives a concept of some kind that God is a refuge. He's our strength. He's our shield. He's our support. He's the one that's going to sustain us. So Psalm 23 really is a picture of what it looks like to have God as your refuge. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. This is NIV. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. 
He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I'm going to pray. God, we thank you that you are the good shepherd. As you said in the Gospels, Jesus, as you were here on this earth, you said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. No other will they follow. God, I just pray that that would be true and so amongst us, that we would see you as the true refuge and we would choose to stay in you throughout our days. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone say amen. Like I said, this psalm is probably, arguably the most popular chapter in psalms. And there's a lot of good ones, okay? So that's saying a lot. <laughs> and I say this because this psalm, I mean, you can watch movies and they quote this song. And it's in no way a religious movie at all. <laughs> it's out there. What's that? Book of Eli. <laughs> yeah. I don't recommend that book to that movie to all you guys, okay? <laughs> but this psalm is so well known that all I have to say is, the Lord is my shepherd, and you guys could probably finish it. I shall not want. I have no other need. I lack nothing. Depends on the translation you memorized, which most people know the King James one. That one's the most well-known one. Yeah. Yes. Now again, wait till the end, okay? So here we go. Listen, like I said, this psalm is probably the most popular chapter in psalms, and, and possibly even the entire Bible, but that's difficult to say. But here's the thing. Why is it so popular? Why do you guys think it's such a popular psalm? Huh? It's, I would say it's very comforting, right? I mean, it starts off in it, I lack nothing. I shall not want. You take care of all my needs, essentially. That's comforting stuff, right? And people want to hear that, and people want to know that and believe it. But here's the thing. Many people may know of this psalm, and maybe even have it memorized, but do they really understand it? Do they really have a sense of knowledge of it as it's synced into their heart? They know what it means. Like, what does it mean to not want. What do you guys think that means? Well, depending on translations, it's this idea of outside of you, that you provide every single need that I have. I don't have to ever worry about being taken care of by you. You take care of every need that I have. And Jesus paints this picture in the Gospels, right? He says that I will supply all of your needs. And if you look at the birds of the air, does not God the Father in heaven take care of all of their needs, and are you not more important than them? It paints this picture of God as a refuge. This entire chapter does. It's an image of that. And if you want to see what it looks like to follow God and have him be your refuge, 
this is a great starting point. Now, this is only six verses. We read this on the screen, right? Six verses, that's all it is. You guys just read an entire chapter of the Bible. Pretty good, huh? <laughs> but this, this chapter, it's, there's so much richness to it. People write books on it. I gave Luke one tonight <laughs> that comes from it. There's books out there all about this. I'll get you a book too. Right? <laughs> I gave you a Bible before, right? Maybe not. <laughs> but people, listen up, listen up. People write books just on this psalm alone, six verses, and they, they write chapters and chapters all about this thing, and it never fully unpacks it. There is so much richness and goodness found in this chapter. Now, last week I talked about how God is our refuge, and we should go to him when we need refuge, right? But this is part two of that. Go to the refuge and stay there. Don't run away. Don't leave your protection and safety and refuge, which is found in Christ. Do you run to him? Don't leave him. Don't run away from him. When things get difficult, when persecution comes, when people are finding out you're serious about your faith now, and they're like, wait, what? You go to church how many times a week? Are you kidding me? You read that boring old book that was written like forever ago? What, are you going to start talking to me with these, those, and those now? Even though we should use the word those from time to time, right? <laughs> but it gives this imagery of don't leave his goodness. If you want goodness to follow you, why would you leave him? Why would you step outside of the refuge when there's a storm all around you, right? If you want safety from the storm, stay in the refuge. <laughs> stay in the shelter, and you'll have that safety. Now, obviously, I don't mean the youth group, okay? We are a refuge, but we point you to the real refuge. Stay in Christ. Staying with him is so vital. It's vital to your faith. It's vital to your health. It's vital to your whole being. Staying with him. And I'll get more into this later as it says in other passages of scripture. You don't want to be caught in a storm without refuge. Have you guys ever been in that? If any of you went to desperation, you were. <laughs> Raise your hand if you went on the trip this summer to Desperation Conference. Was there a storm we drove through? <laughs> Do you wish we were maybe in a sound structure <laughs> as opposed to a car? <laughs> yeah, as opposed to your car. <laughs> How many of you did not feel safe? Be honest, I didn't feel safe. <laughs> Leaders, if you felt safe, something's wrong with you. <laughs> yeah. The, just to give you an idea, this is what ended up happening. We were on our way back from Colorado Springs, which is like a 14-hour drive, okay? It's a long ways. And on the way back, it was just south of Billings, there was this horrendous dust storm that hit. We couldn't see anything. It was really, really bad. 
I mean, it felt like a blizzard without snow. It was terrible. And we're driving back, and on the other side of the interstate is this horrible, horrible wreck of an accident. Car after car, there were semis that were on that were all messed up. There was a camper that was totally ripped open like it was a can. Yeah, it was like just ripped apart like a can opener had taken to it. It was awful. There were multiple people that died in this accident. How many of you wish you were in a place of refuge when storms hit in your life? How many of you have had storms hit you in your life? And it hit you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> How many of you had storms hit you without Christ? Awful. <laughs> and in fact, it's actually sometimes what even brings people to Christ. Because they're like, wow, this was really bad without you. Probably better stick with you. <laughs> it's something that we should never desire. We should never want. And when we're inside a refuge, knowing full well that Jesus said, Trials are going to come, troubles, tribulations, storms are going to happen. If he gives this, this warning when we start following him, why would you ever want to step outside of the safety of him? And it doesn't mean you're not going to have any troubles. But to go through a storm in a safe structure versus standing outside of it, pounding on the door, wishing you would get brought in, it's a different story. Have you guys ever been in a blizzard inside your house? Have you guys ever been in a blizzard when you're inside your house? Like, you're safe inside, and you're looking out, and you're like, wow, it looks really bad out there. Do you go outside? <laughs> Probably not. Maybe, maybe if you got to shovel a little bit, right? <laughs> but if there's a horrendous tornado storm outside, would you go outside? If you're smart, you would not, okay? Caitlin and myself, just to bring another understanding, Caitlin and myself, which was also last year, <laughs> we were in two terrible storms last year. We were driving home from Minnesota. We were going to a wedding that we were in. And on the way back, there was this horrible, horrible tornado storm that hit. It just, I mean, it was like, I'm looking, I'm driving, and then suddenly our phones go off, tornado warning. It was never even a watch that happened. It just said, duck and cover. <laughs> Run for your lives. <laughs> it was awful. It was absolutely no warning. But that's honestly how life happens. A lot of the storms that come at you, they come without warning. You don't usually get a notification that one is showing up. They just happen. And you're going to wish you were in refuge when they happen. So why ever step outside of it? Why ever choose to walk away from it and leave it? This is something the enemy tries to get us to do all the time. He tries to get us to wander off and walk away from the safety that's found in Christ, getting us to chase after other things, whatever it might be. It could be dreams. It could be a, a job, a career. It could be some girl. It could be a dude. For you ladies, it could be a guy, right? I don't know what it is for you. It could be being at the top of your game in sports. 
getting signed into the NFL, NBA, something like that one day. Playing video games professionally for the rest of your life. <laughs> Leaders all laugh. <laughs> but here's the thing. Jarred Kinzel. <laughs> here's, here's the key part of this entire psalm. It's found in the first five words. John, you want to put up the first verse there? It's the first verse. It's found in... In the first five words, okay? So not even the, the other ones that are in it. So let's read the first five. Verse one. Verse one, John. Oh, Psalm 23. The whole premise of this sermon. <laughs> All right, let's read it. First five words. The Lord is my shepherd. That, no, no, stop there. <laughs> The Lord is my shepherd. In order for him to be your shepherd, that means you have to what? Be his sheep. It means you have to follow him. <laughs> the ones that don't follow him are clearly the ones that don't have him as their shepherd. Maybe they wandered off a little bit. But really, if he's your shepherd, you would follow him. That's what John writes about Jesus saying when he says, I am the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice, they know me, and they what? They follow me. They won't follow another. If he's really your shepherd, if you want everything else that follows this, lacking nothing, getting everything taken care of, the green pasture, the quiet waters, which is just a picture of he sustains you, he gives you food and water, he takes care of you, you're not going to die from starvation and dehydration you're okay <laughs> he's gonna take care of every need he's gonna guide you you keep going through the list if you want all that stuff the first one has to be true him being your shepherd has to be true or everything else that follows can't be now there's yes there's truth that he takes care of the needs of even the sinners it does say that in scripture but to really have this this picture of I lack nothing, goodness and love of him follow me everywhere I go. He puts a table before me in the midst of my enemies and I don't have to worry about them overcoming me. If you guys want these truths, you have to have the truth that he's your shepherd. Which means what? Following him. John 15, verse 9 and 10, if you want to pull that one up, John. It says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. This is Jesus talking. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. He's telling the disciples, you, you shouldn't want to leave me. <laughs> Remain in me. You come to me and you find out how good I am. There's going to be some rocky stuff that happens down the road. Things are going to get difficult. There's going to be a temptation to say, you know what? Maybe I'll... This is getting really hard. And he's saying, if you want my love to remain in you, remain in me. 
If you want to see the blessings and the benefit of my love manifest in your life, don't get away from me. <laughs> don't try to run from me. Now, go read Ephesians, and it says we, we can't really actually get away from the love of God, right? But there's this picture and this idea of following him. You want him to be a refuge to you, you stay with the refuge. You stay with him. You step outside of it, it's going to be a problem. <laughs> There's going to be storms that hit, and they're going to rock you as opposed to you're going to be grounded and safe and secure. doesn't mean you won't shed a couple tears. That'll happen. But imagine being in that storm at desperation inside of a safe shelter. <laughs> Would have been so much better. <laughs> and now think about the people who actually had a horrible disaster happen in their life. How much they wish they would have been in a safe place at the time. That's a picture of our life. Our life without Christ. It's not good to be without him. <laughs> It's not just a matter of coming to Jesus as the refuge. It's a matter of remaining with him, remaining in him, and it changes things in your life. Here's an idea of it. What good would the ark have been to Noah and his family if they never got on it? How would it have saved them? How good would it have been to them if they never stepped on the thing? And I would like to hope that God would hold back the storm until they actually got on the thing. But what if they were like, you know what, never mind. I'm good without you. <laughs> what would have happened? Well, we wouldn't be here probably, right? <laughs> it would have been a mess, right? And the ark is a picture of the safety that's found in Jesus. That's what it's a type of. It's a foreshadowing of Jesus. Finding safety from disaster in him. The world all around us is chaos and destruction, and it's terrible. Find refuge in him. Amen? So let's go to the next couple verses here. We got, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I really got to speed up here. <laughs> I lack nothing means you don't have any need that's not supplied. There's nothing that you lack that you have. And if you need something, you can trust that it's going to be supplied. But if you think you need something, you might find out that you actually do. I got this video here for you guys. John, you want to get it ready up there? So here's this video. I'll give you a little understanding first. Some of you probably know who this is. Okay, so there's a video. Dr. Phil had somebody on there, and it was a 15, 16-year-old girl. And this is her mother. So let's, let's take a listen and watch. Uh-huh.
Yikes, huh? <laughs> that's, yeah. Let me just say, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I don't even think I make 2500 a month. Like, <laughs> I might, but I mean, like a whole month? It's, it's a lot. Of, I mean, that's a lot of money. I mean, think about it. That's... probably close to that. But I mean, I've got a house. I've got a family, right? I've got a car. And it's probably not the car she has. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. So I mean, think about it. This is, it's comical, right? We look at it and we go, wow, that's so funny. She's so terrible. But we, we laugh at this. But how true is it with ourselves with certain things in our life? We see something as a need we're like, I can't live without this. Please, God, don't let this be taken from me. How many of you get angry at your parents when they take your phone? Huh? How many of you get angry at your parents when they take your phone away? Huh? How do you live without a phone? I, I mean, I did it for a long time. <laughs> Here's the thing, guys. There are certain aspects of your life that you look at it and you go, I lack nothing. What are you talking about, God? I don't have that car yet. <laughs> I don't have my phone right now. I lost it, God. I'm allowed to be upset. <laughs> it's a little uh, Jumanji reference. <laughs> but how many of us behave like that and we have that attitude? Maybe not so blatantly obvious. <laughs> But what happens when you don't have your phone? What happens when you don't have a boyfriend? Don't have a girlfriend? You guys really think this is a need? God says, I will provide all your needs. You're like, well, then why am I single? Do you really need it? Here's the thing. If any of that stuff other than God is something you're like, I can't live without this, that's precisely why he hasn't given it to you yet. That's precisely why you don't have it. Once you get it, you'll abuse it because you're not grateful for the stuff you even have already. Good, I'm glad. Some of you, you can't live without drama. I'm just gonna say it. Some of you, you can't live without drama. Once it disappears in your friend group, you create it. Once it disappears in your friend group, you go find it. You try to look for it. If you really saw God as your shepherd, you would not be trying to run after these things. You would not be seeking after these things to sustain you because you would find out eventually they won't. Yes, it will. We laugh at this idea that this girl had, right? But here's the thing. Many of you have this in you already. Some of you are, have this perspective about your life already. Once you go through a breakup, you're like, oh, I can't live anymore. It's Valentine's Day almost, and I'm not going to get anything. <laughs> 
Maybe give your mama something. <laughs> Listen to that one. True provision. Here's the thing. True provision is found in the shepherd. Because a good shepherd really knows what you need, and he's actually going to give it to you. He's going to provide what you actually need. You need a good shearing? He'll give you one. <laughs> Just kidding. He'll provide you with everything that you need. And you need to trust him that he will. And when you don't have something, you trust him that either he's going to give it at the right time, or you come to terms with, maybe it's not a need. Maybe I don't need it. Maybe my life won't fall apart if I don't have this. It's a matter of trusting God with everything that you have. Proverbs 30, I want to give you this. Proverbs 30, 7 through 9, New Living Translation for this. It says, Oh God, I beg two favors from you. When you think of your life and your needs, let this be your prayer, okay? Oh God, I beg two favors from you. Let me have... He says, Let me have them before I die. First... Help me never to tell a lie. Some of you need to pray that one. <laughs> Second, here's the important one. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? Who's that you're talking about? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and thus insult God's holy name. Are you so concerned about what you want that you never think to ask God, what is it that you want? You can go look in Deuteronomy in chapter 8. I thought about bringing it up. I'm just going to give you an understanding of it. In the book of Deuteronomy, he says, don't forget that God has provided for you. He gave you manna in the desert, literal food and water out of a rock in a place that had no water for a million people. Crazy. He says, don't get so comfortable with the stuff that comes your way, the blessings that come, and say, I'm awesome. I am so great. I did this with my own might, my own power, and my own strength. No, I am the one who makes you succeed whenever it happens. And this is a perspective every one of us needs to have. That one girl would really, really benefit from that, right? <laughs> Closeness to God is the best there is for you because he is what you need. Verse 3 says, he refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. How many of you could use some refreshment in your life? Right? Go to him. If you're in a place of feelings dried up, empty, Lord, I need refreshment, please. Go to him. When you're out of peace and when you're filled with anxiety, what do you do? If the Lord's your shepherd, you run to him. You stay with him, and he gives you what you need when it happens. Yes, he does. Jesus told the woman at the well that what she was thirsting for was him, and that she was looking for it in all the wrong places. You need to go to him to get the refreshment, amen? Now, here's the other part with this. 
with this verse. For his name's sake. I'm going to give you an idea of what your life is about. It's not about you. If it is about you, that's precisely why you have so many problems in your life. John liked that one. It's not about you. God is not concerned about your name over his. Okay? Now, we bear the image of Christ, right? And we bear his name. We carry his name. It says if we follow Jesus, we're ambassadors of him. We are Jesus in the world. Which is exactly why he's going to make sure you're representing him right. (laughs) He cares about his name over yours. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care about you. But this isn't what the devil wants you to think about your life. He wants you to think, well, if God really loved you, (laughs) he'd give you that thing. He would take care of this need. If he really loved you, this storm never would have happened. It's a load of crap. (laughs) Sometimes God allows the storm to grow us and teach us a dependency on him that maybe we didn't have before. John 15, I read this earlier, but I'm going to read just a few more verses. 15, 8 through 12. This is to my Father's glory, is what Jesus is telling the disciples. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. If you have fruit in your life, it's not for you. (laughs) It's to show the world that you're mine. And that they'll get fruit too, if they are abiding in me, remaining in me, staying with me, having me as their refuge. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his. I have told you this so that your joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. It's hard to be following Jesus and not loving others. In fact, it's impossible. You can't do it. You're fooling yourself if you're thinking that your love is genuine to God when all the while you're never loving other people. This is pivotal. This is super important. Imagine if there was a sheep in a flock that was biting and devouring the other sheep in the flock. What would the shepherd do? Probably smack the thing. If it got out of, yeah, if it got out, out of hand, he, he might kill it, <laughs> throw it out. Or he might be like, yo, this is a wolf. <laughs> this is not a sheep. And this is what it talks about in the New Testament. Don't bite and devour each other. Watch out. Don't do it. Don't give in to a root of bitterness and let it overcome you. And it's happened so much in the, in the church today. Your fruitfulness is found in God being glorified through you, not God glorifying you. It's not that we just suffer forever and never experience anything good in our life. That's not the truth. God brings you goodness, but it's not just for you. (laughs) It's to bring glory to him so that other people see he is the source of goodness, so that other people get shelter from the storm. Amen. Your goodness is found being near God. Let's do the next few verses. 
Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. The enemy tries to get us to wander off because he knows he'll never get a bite at us if we're with him. Which sheep do you think a lion's going to come in and take apart? The ones that are close to the shepherd? Or the ones that are wandered off in the middle of nowhere? The ones that are far from the shepherd, right? Get near him. It's not going to go well for you if you run away from God, because it says in the word, the devil runs around like a lion, roaring, seeking someone to devour. You don't want to be devoured, then don't leave his presence. Don't leave his safety. Hey, what's going on back there? Do it after. We got time. I'm almost done. Sheep aren't going to make it if they're not near the shepherd. Now, it says Jesus will go out and wander after, and will get the, the wandering sheep. He'll leave the 99 for the one, right? It's just a picture that Jesus loves you, and he's never going to stop pursuing you. That doesn't mean test him. <laughs> Try to keep running as far as you can and see how far away you can get before he gets you. <laughs> no. Don't tempt the enemy to run after you because you're the weak one. Right? Stay near him. Stay within his safety. Now here's why a rod and a staff would be comforting to a sheep. They're what he's going to use to fend off predators. Imagine the shepherd going through the darkest valley without something to fend off predators. The sheep, I think, would be a little concerned about that. <laughs> Although they're pretty stupid, they might not even realize it. <laughs> This is the idea of, God, I know no matter where I go, if I'm with you, you're right there with me. I don't have to worry if the enemy is going to take advantage of me and rip me apart. I know you're with me. You've got my back. You're going to protect me. If David was able to beat up a lion and a bear as a kid, and he's a shepherd, you really think God's not going to be able to take care of your problems? He's going to have your back. Now, here's the final part. If you haven't paid any attention, pay attention to this, okay? Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Last week I mentioned how apart from God there's no good thing. It was in Psalm 16. If you, if you didn't read it and didn't hear it last week, go check it out. Apart from him, here's another way you can say it. Apart from him is no good. He is your goodness. Goodness comes from him. It's found in him. That's where it comes from. Okay? So if you go to him and remain in him, it would make sense that this verse is true. Why would goodness and mercy and love follow you everywhere you go? Because you follow the shepherd, who's the good shepherd everywhere he goes. You know that it's going to follow because it follows him. Where he goes, there's goodness. That's why everyone was flocking and chasing after him. 
when he was going around. They're like, nothing bad ever, like, really, truly happens around this guy that's going to end him. In fact, it's such goodness that happens to him. The blind see, the deaf hear, the mute speak. People are raised from the dead. Demons got nothing on him. They just immediately, he just says, go, and they're gone. You stay with him, you know that goodness and love are going to follow you because it follows him. And if you stay with the shepherd who's good and who's love, you don't have to worry about your needs being taken care of. You don't have to worry when the enemy comes after you because you know the shepherd's just going to bop him on the head when he gets anywhere near you. You know you're covered. We sang about this, right? Your goodness is running after. This is where that verse comes from in the song. Bridge, I should say. (laughs) This is where that line comes from. They get it from this psalm. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. If you surrender to him, you know that that is a fact, that that's true. So remain in him. I'm going to pray. Let's stand up. Don't leave him because your refuge is found in him. And let the prodigal son be an example to you of what not to do. (laughs) And when you do it, come to the realization, I had it pretty good with him. Why did I leave that? (laughs) Come home. (laughs) It says here, last verse, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Come back home. Come back to the house of the Lord. Stay with him. Abide in him. Remain in his love. When you go back, don't leave. Stick with him. And know that he's going to take care of things. And if you don't have something that you've maybe been praying for, know it's either coming at the right time or you don't really need it. Amen? All right. God, we thank you for your goodness, that you are the good shepherd, that we can trust you to shepherd us. When we go through darkness, we know that you can see everything, that you're going to have all of our needs taken care of. We don't have to worry about the attacks of the enemy coming after us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, leaders, come on up. Come on.